the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Welcome to Second Baptist Church on this Christmas Eve. We're so glad that you have gathered here to worship with us at this special service on this special night. If you're a guest here tonight, we hope that you've been warmly greeted and that you feel the hospitality of Christ in this place. For the guests, there is a guest information card in the pew rack in front of you. If you would like to fill that out, you can simply leave it on the pew after the service and we'll pick those up. It'll give us a chance to make contact with you and tell you more about what's going on in the life of our church. Now, we gather as friends in response to God's call. In Christ, God is inviting us, wooing us, whispering to us in our pleasures and shouting to us in our pains, calling us to let our lights shine before others so that they might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Where a mother 
Advent wreath is a circle with no beginning and no end. It is a symbol of God's undying love and faithfulness. Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Hear now this reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ear hears, but with righteousness. He shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw with the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea.
Hear this reading from the book of Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is of old from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace.
Hear this reading from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David.
Hear now these words from Luke, the second chapter, first verse, and then the third through seventh verses. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All went to their own towns to be registered. And Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room.
Hear this reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and verses 9 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born, not of blood or the will or of the flesh, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth.
Hear this reading from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. Now in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. to love one another. 
his law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slaves are brother, and in his name all oppression shall hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we let all within us by his holy name Christ is the Lord Hear this reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child that has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king... They set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it 
stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, I'm thankful for all who have helped lead us in worship this evening, especially our student and young adult group who formed this Christmas Eve choir. It is such a joy to have this group come together each year and sing these wonderful carols together. This evening, I'll be preaching a brief homily from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God has loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Let us pray together. God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, the question was posed to me, it's not quite Christmas until blank. It was supposed to be a conversation starter, but I found myself completely unsure of what to answer. You probably have your own answer to this question. Maybe for you, it's not quite Christmas until 
We all gather at Grandma's house to open stockings together or to sit around her dining room table sharing stories with one another. Or maybe it's not quite Christmas until I get a piece of that Ucrop's Christmas tree coffee cake. Or maybe it's not quite Christmas until I hear Dominic the donkey or Grandma got run over by the reindeer on the radio. Perhaps it's because I grew up in a house with remarkably few traditions. Don't get me wrong, Christmas has always been full, full of activities and Christmas concerts and school pageants and parades and tacky lights to see and cards to send and receive. But in my recollection, there isn't one truly specific precursor to the holiday that remains completely essential before Christmas morning. Instead, Christmas has in some ways formed a new beginning, a new chapter, a pause from what was, and a restart towards something new. Maybe this is partially true due to the school calendar, the end of a semester, the opportunity for a fresh start coming in the new year. However, there is much centered within Advent readings and the Christmas story that reminds us that Christmas is not an isolated event. God's plan for love to enter the world did not get secluded to a manger in Bethlehem. Instead, Christmas is connected to the past, but certainly forward-facing toward a new beginning. Most obviously, it's the beginning of Jesus' earthly life. The stories that we have of Jesus as a young boy are very limited within the Gospels. We have Jesus being born. We have Jesus as an infant at the synagogue, getting lost and teaching the temple leaders. We hear and experience the ministry of Jesus most immediately in these Gospels. Jesus' ministry centers on the forgiveness of sins, the healing of the infirmed, teaching the disciples, and all the while disappointing and confusing and irritating the religious leaders of the day. For now, as readers and experiencers of the text, we can see that Jesus' ministry was truly about love about God's love. And 1 John sums it up by saying, God's love was revealed to us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. Now many have seen Jesus as a role model, but that's not exactly what the writer of the epistle is suggesting here. For seeing Jesus as a virtuous historical figure is pretty thin compared to a theological assessment stating that God intended to reveal holy, perfect, agape love in the incarnation of Christ. To think that this child be born as a baby, a human child, defenseless, to an impoverished couple from a no-name town in Nazareth. God's self-giving love didn't send Jesus as a life coach either to teach us a few ways to be happier or to give us tools for influencing others. 
God's self-sacrifice didn't result in Jesus as a moral leader with the express intention of granting us three easy steps to live with purpose. Jesus didn't come as a guru teacher either. God didn't love us so much to give us a book full of wise sayings. But instead, God loved us in this way, that through Jesus, fully God and fully human, we might live through him. This gift is one of perfect love, for all love is of God. It's theologically deep, yet simple enough for anyone to understand. God is love. Love is patient and kind. It can warm our hearts, even bring tears to our eyes. And at the very core of God's love is this. Love goes without expecting a return. Sometimes Christmas can feel like a chance for us to look back at an ancient story, to fill ourselves with sentimentality and reviewing again a historical event as if we're meant to learn moral lessons from the shepherds or seek lives of purpose like the wise men or channel our inner wisdom like Mary. But no, the Christmas story is one of love, God's love. The Christmas story connects and reminds us of God's involvement and action in this world. God's redemptive purpose is underway in the birth of Jesus. And as Bruce sang so beautifully earlier, his law is love and his gospel is peace. A child born in a messy stable in the Middle East. A defenseless baby wrapped in strips of cloth. God incarnate, born to save us. Truly, he taught us to love one another. In God's new re-entrance into the world, there is both the reality of what is and also the great hope of what could be. The birth of Jesus and our very lives live in this tension together. For we know that the world is not perfect. Far from it. Some seek to exploit others. Greediness and selfishness are not in short supply. Warfare breaks out. Oppression takes root. Words and actions demean and belittle others. Inequality and hopelessness are a lived reality for so many around this globe. There is this reality, but there's also such a great hope of what could be. What if God's perfect love reached out through us? What if God equipped and called people like me and you to work toward peace and justice? What if the life of Jesus inspired us to more than virtuous thinking and granted us hope for our daily living? What if God's transformation might be embodied even in the likes of us? Could God's love transform the world?
Yo-Yo Ma is the most famous cello player in the world. He's a Grammy Award winner, a virtuoso with his instrument. He's been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and earned Kennedy Center honors. He's performed on some of the biggest stages all over this world. In this past year, Yo-Yo Ma toured much of the United States, but he did it in a surprising way. He partnered with state and national parks to bring beautiful music to new places. Yo-Yo Ma played in an empty field with a few camping chairs in the New River Gorge in West Virginia. He played among stalactites in Kentucky's Mammoth Cave. He also played along a trail in the Grand Canyon. These are remote places, places where people go, but they don't often bring a cello with them. And Yo-Yo Ma wasn't doing this for a photo op. He truly wanted to know how his instrument would sound in a deep canyon alongside Class 5 Rapids. And he also wanted to surprise some people. This tour tested out a theory that Ma had commented on. The world's amphitheaters and stages are not necessarily better places to perform or listen to music. Yo-Yo Ma suggested that any place could host beautiful music, whether people are around to hear it or not and he acted upon his new way of thinking. Similarly, God's love is not bound up to a particular hour or a particular place or a particular day. God's love is not an incantation that must be recited in a particular way. God's love didn't just exist 2,000 years ago at the birth of Jesus, but it's still alive in the heart and the mind of every believer, of every follower of Christ. And it can go into surprising places wherever we go. Christmas tells us that God's great love was born into this world and it's our charge to let Christmas be a new beginning. Christmas is a charge to us to go and live through Christ, to go and live into God's great love and this looks like loving our enemies, considering the needs of others, extending grace and mercy, listening patiently, speaking kindly, and giving without the expectation of return. The birth of Jesus inspires us to a new way of being, and some struggle to wrap their minds around this. Living and loving as Christ is indeed a new way of thinking, but as Richard Rohr puts it, a new way of thinking is not the solution that we need. We do not think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. So this Christmas, take action. Start anew. Mend a conflict. Seek God's way of justice. Extend God's love and action because of the birth of Jesus. It's a new beginning, a new day dawning. God's love is alive. And it came about in this way. 
that a child will be born in Bethlehem, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Emmanuel, God with us. The birth of Jesus and God's love is alive in the hearts and actions of every believer because it's not quite Christmas without love. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts and our minds together as we are invited to God's table. this time we have the opportunity to come to God's table together. I'll ask if you would please to approach the table by coming down the center aisle and you can return to your seats by following one of the aisles to the side. Also when you come to the front you'll receive the bread and the cup and you can go ahead and take the elements while you're here at the table. Please take your time in that moment and then you can throw away your cup uh, in one of the receptacles on either side of the table at the front. All with faith are welcome at this table. <laughs> 